Why doesn't a president wear a mask? Because they have diplomatic immunity. This is Sexy Dad Jokes. and welcome to episode three of Sexy Dad Jokes. Hey, Benjamin, we're in a pandemic and everyone's supposed to be wearing masks. Yeah, I got mine on Well, guess what? I found a loophole. Oh? Yeah, it goes around the ear. Oh! Yeah, I guess some people don't like wearing masks. Some say people are refusing because of toxic masculinity. Mask. Hey, Benjamin. What's up, Jenny Spaz? So, you're in Seattle, and you should be happy about this. I just heard that Starbucks started making special masks that you can drink through. Oh, really? Yeah, they're called coffee filters. Coffee filters. <coughs> oh, boy. Johnny Spaz, you okay over there? If your mask breaks, I got just a thing for you. Some, uh, masking tape? Mask-ing? Oh yeah, I actually just got some masking tape at the grocery store. It was weird though. They said all you need to wear are gloves and a mask, but they lied. Everyone else was wearing pants. Oh, ouch. Sounds like that grocery store was in for a nude awakening. Okay, <laughs> all together now. Welcome, Welcome to, to Sexy Dad It's November 18th, 2020, and uh, happy holidays. America's head is still spinning after a crazy election and turbulent aftermath. Welcome all to episode three of Sexy Dad Jokes. This podcast is about our journey to be better men, exploring what is toxic in our masculinity and striving to live out a more healthy form of manliness. And don't forget, Sexy Dad Jokes is about dad jokes. So many, so corny. We got more corn than a field of dreams over here, which is good because a podcast needs some uh, ears. Hey, yo. <laughs> wow, really? A corn pun, huh? Well, only one thing to say to that. All shucks. <laughs> <laughs> but in all seriousness, we just had a pretty intense election. America, to be honest, is still dizzy from it. And someone's out there trying to say it's not even over yet. This has been a pretty, the probably the most intense election we've had in any of our lives. And I'd like to just say up front, yeah, it was pure jubilation for me once the race was called. It's been a very tough, toxic four years. But, but even if you voted for the other guy, I respect my neighbors. I respect my fellow Americans, no matter who you voted for. And as toxic as the atmosphere is right now, I hope that we can find new ways to talk to each other. I know many of you believe in freedom, believe in democracy, and building a better future for our families. We need to challenge ourselves to recognize that we have more in common than we realize. Okay, so I'd like to welcome to the show Sexy Dad Jokes contributor Mike Mers. How was your election night, Mers? 
Hey guys. Oh boy, it was crazy, Ben. Uh, ballot mania, chaotic. People were texting me all night. What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? Mm. Uh, I, I, I actually only looked once on election night and it was late at night just because there was a lot of unknowns. Mm. Um, but one thing we know for sure, while Congress has been impotent for years, this was a case of electile dysfunction. <laughs> 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 okay, thank you, Mers. Well, Ooh, I got a joke. Oh, okay. we gave him the blue pill. Blue. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like the little blue pill that what? fixes everything. Yeah. That's what we gave to our people counting ballots. What just are you saying? talking about? The blue pill because it was electile dysfunction. For the yeah, yeah, no, I got oh. it. I got it. Cialis or whatever. Not that I would know. Is that a Matrix reference? And a Matrix reference. It works all around. Sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> Okay, well, we'll be getting more into the election and how it connects to masculinity. But first, we've got some incredible feedback since episode two. And oh, gosh, we're just so grateful. It was the first time our listeners got to meet the amazing Murs. And of course, the incomparable Square 50s guy, Richard Richards, the third junior. I even got to pull out my power drill. Johnny Spaz, what's in the mailbag over there? Well, Tim in Greenwood, Washington says, in all caps, don't you besmirch Brendan Fraser. He's an American hero. (laughs) Fair enough, Tim. That was a reference to when I couldn't remember that movie with that guy with the hair and the toothbrush. Yeah, blast from the past. Come on, Spaz. I know. know. I'm sorry. Soviet Union collapsed without a shot being fired. Cold War's over. That's what everyone believes. I love Brendan Fraser. Some of his best work, I'm certain, will inspire generations to come. Gems, like Encino Man, all the Mummy movies, Furry Vengeance, my personal fave bedazzled, and of course, the one that started this whole convo, Blast from the Past. (laughs) He is an American hero. (laughs) All right. A Merzican hero. (laughs) A Merzican hero. Yes. How could I ever disrespect the guy who made uh, Furry Vengeance? He was in The Mummy. He was in like two and a half mummies. Even The Rock was in one of The Mummies. Uh, Can you smell what The Rock is cooking? Bacon! (laughs) It's always bacon. I don't think he eats anything other than bacon. Look at him. Oh, yeah. He's the male Adonis. Come on. Bacon and protein shakes. Is male Adonis redundant? Um, I don't know. know That's a question. Tim also says about sexy dad jokes, I fucking love, love the openness and non-defensiveness. We argue so much in everything now that it feels so novel and positive. Wow. Great comment, especially with the election and what's going on in this country these days. Glad we can put out that positive vibe. Thank you, Tim. He added this interesting note. About our conversation around whether getting a power drill makes you a man. Quote, one of my wishes has been to teach at least one of the girls to be handy as she grows up. Fix shit. Use power tools. Less about masculinity and more about self-reliance. And this is making me think, will I be forcing that on them? What if they don't want to do that, expecting at least one will? Am I trying to respond to my own childhood with this vision? Mm. Huh. That's deep. 
I mean, so I think Tim has a couple of daughters. And so he's seems like he's reflecting on how he raises his daughters as a man, as a dad. Well, I think somebody wants to do their, they want to do their best for their kids. And he's kind of contemplating whether he falls into any negative training behavior traits or something like that. Well, I think it's important. He said something about forcing it on them, right? Yeah. Hmm. Like, I'm going to force them to learn how to use power tools. But then he also said something like, what if they don't want to? I think. Yeah. Am I going to be forcing them to learn about power tools? Or uh, what if they don't want to do that? Or what if they don't want to learn about power tools? Something like that. So that's good to, to reflect on you know, agency and choice mm. with your kids. Like teach children how to think, not what to think something yeah. like that. Mm. Yeah. That's about right. Self-reliance yeah. is important. You know, I thought I can drive with that. I think that's great. Yeah. Woo. Woo. I want a power drill. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't I get a power drill? Hey, so I got uh Jen in Philadelphia here mm. and she says, I really enjoyed SDJ, it was so nice to hear a podcast that's not all fluff. Hmm. It felt easier to talk about the issues after hearing you guys discuss them. I wanted to join in the convo. Uh, it definitely provoked and evoked thoughts and different ways to think about things. Hmm. So that's pretty cool. I mean, yeah. oddly enough, my mom kind of said the same thing. I wanted to join in the conversation what? or I, she uh. wanted to talk while we were listening to it. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So that was kind of neat. I think that's this is one way to, to have that happen when people leave comments or email us at info. Mm. Yeah. Send us oh, your yeah. best. I mean, if you feel moved to talk to us and be part of the conversation, you can email us at info at sexydadjokes.com, post on our Facebook or Instagram. If you go to our website, sexydadjokes.com, there's actually, and you click on the anchor link, you can actually leave us a voicemail and then we can take that and put it in the show. So, Oh, that's cool. That's really cool. We can do that. Yeah. Ben's fancy. <laughs> hey, that website, that website is a beast. Okay. All right. Uh, and so thank you, Jen. Really great comment. Uh, we got one more from Tracy in New York city. She says funny and intelligent. It drew me in and kept me there. I'd recommend it to my friends. Wow. That sounds like the best Yelp review we've ever gotten. <laughs> you can find us on Yelp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What, how, we got to get one of those. We got to get on Yelp. That's what we got yeah, to get. Start serving pizza or something. We got to do it. Thank you so much, Tracy and everyone else for listening. Oh, what was that? That's weird. Someone's at the door. Hmm. Go check it out, Johnny Spass. Oh my god, it's Square 50's guy, Richard Richards III. That's Richard Richards III Jr. to you, Spaz. Gotta say, it was mighty hard getting to your door. Had to fight off four ankle biters to get here. Can't you just do what I do and tell them to get off your lawn? How does the milkman do it every day? Oh, Richard, never missing a 50's beat. Really didn't expect to see you today. Say, since you're here... What are your thoughts on those crazy election results? Ah, yes, Spaz. The election. You know, after I woke from my coma, I had a sad realization that one of this nation's beloved leaders, Joseph McCarthy, was no longer with us. 
but old Joey's legacy has lived on with Mega Man. <laughs> <laughs> I see, Richard. Must be feeling pretty bummed after Mega Man lost the election. Anyways, what the heck are you doing here? Well, you see, Spaz, with Mega Man gone, McCarthyism needs a new standard bearer. And so, after consulting with my family, I've decided to throw my hat into the political ring. I've come to the lovely battleground state of Florida with one mission in mind. Canvassing votes! Do I have your commitment to vote Richards 2024? Richard, you know the next election is four years away, right? Oh, golly gee, it's never too early to get started, Spaz. You know what they say, the early bird gets the worm. Well, okay, so what's your platform? Well, Spaz, I was thinking of using vinyl flooring. <laughs> Perhaps a sprung floor system. That, or just stick with good old-fashioned American oak. Oh, wow. You're talking about the actual platform you'll be standing on. Why am I not surprised? Well, if Maga Man was able to become president, why not you? <laughs> yes, indeed, Spaz. Couldn't have said it better myself. I'm Richard Richards the Third Jr., and I approve this message. <laughs> well, Richard, I have to say, after four years of having a fake alpha in office, it feels refreshing to have some positive energy coming to the White House. Maybe there will be an actual national pandemic plan before you know it. Speaking of, I noticed you showed up here without wearing a mask. What's up with that, Rich? Don't be giving me the royal shaft, Spaz. Everyone knows only communists wear masks. Jeez. <laughs> you can't tell me what to wear. Well, you have to wear pants, right? Are you saying I can't ask you to wear pants? Oh, don't oh, tempt please. me, Spaz. I have the American right to wear whatever I want, even if it's just my birthday suit. Why, even when I'm smoking in my recliner, I have at times decided to forego my perfectly pleated trousers. The missus doesn't seem to mind. <sighs> the point isn't that you shouldn't have to wear pants. It's that if we're all wearing masks, we won't be violating each other's right to not get a deadly virus. A mask is a safety accessory, dude. Not a political statement. You may be right, Spaz. You're not such a party pooper after all, my boy. And to think, I was about to serve you up a knuckle sandwich for giving me attitude. But as a tobacco fellow, if I'm wearing a mask, how will I be able to smoke my smooth, mild Chesterfield cigarettes? Oh boy, Richard Richards. Will you just get off my lawn already? That's the spirit, Spaz. Spoken like a true old-time American man. Before I go, will you put up one of these Richards 2024 lawn signs for me? Bye, Richard! Yes! Awesome! Good work! Oh, wow. Richard's 2024, huh? I'd hate to be in that presidential debate with that guy. Yeah, he puts the dumb in freedom and the dick in dictatorship. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what Will Rogers said? The trouble with practical jokes is that very often they get elected. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dang. Burn. Too soon, Johnny Spence. <laughs> too soon. Too soon. Is it? Is it too soon? Okay. Well, America has been through a lot. A divisive election. Four years of fighting. So much to unpack. And we want to get into it. But I wouldn't call Sexy Dad Jokes a political show, per se. This is a show about how to be better men. 
about detoxing masculinity, but there seems to be no shortage of toxic masculinity in politics these days. Yes, Benjamin. Sexy dad jokes isn't just about politics. It's also about terrible, terrible, terribly wonderful puns. Hey, guys, guys. When is a door no longer a door? (laughs) Okay. When it's a jar. He did it again. (laughs) Oh, okay, okay. We talked last episode about fake alphas, how the idea of domineering over others as a trait of an alpha male is based on a study of wolves in captivity and how studying wolves in the wild reveals that alpha males are actually guardians and protectors of the pack and not dominators. So how does politics connect with masculinity? Well, we just lived through four years of what I would consider exhibit A of a fake alpha inhabiting the White House, providing a model to all of America. Yeah, and the world. A model to the world of leadership that prioritizes a projection of strength rather than wisdom, sound (laughs) decision-making. Wouldn't that be nice? Hmm. Now, stay with me here and hear me out. Sometimes... Those projections of strength are mirages. They're shallow depictions of propaganda put out by someone trying to prop himself up when our leaders really need to be propping up the people, us, you, me, your family, because we might disagree on politics, but we all agree that we're just out here trying to help our families prosper and succeed. An election shouldn't be about some guy. It should be about our families. Isn't that why we have a democracy and not a tyrannical dictatorship? Now, a prime example illuminating this was in the first presidential debate. Trump was busy attacking his opponent's family, a real classy move there, by the way, while trying to get sympathy for his own family. Then Biden steps in despite Trump's loud and constant interruptions, if you remember, and puts it all in perspective for us, reminding us what this is supposed to really be about. Now, check out this mind-blowing clip. No, no, no. I'm no. Mr. President. Three and a half Mr. million, President. Joe. That is simply Why did he deserve true. three and a half million it, from it, Moscow? Look, here's the deal. We want to talk about families and ethics. I don't want to do that. I mean, his family, we could talk about all night. His family's my already... Family, no, 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 let him my go, family already lost wrote. a fortune by coming down ahead, and helping us ahead, with government. Ahead, and that's Every, such a... Right here, Mr. President. Such a great, single one of them lost This is fortune. not about Mr. my family or his family. It's government. about your family. The American people. He doesn't... That's not true. It doesn't want to talk about what you need. You, the American people. It's about you. That's what we're talking about. Here. All right. That's the, end of the, here. that's the end of the segment. We're moving on. Wow. I get anxiety just hearing it again. I know, right? Well, first off, Trump attacks his opponent's son with claims that have been repeatedly disproven. And that's been a tactic of his all along, completely making up allegations out of thin air so that he's sort of on the attack and he's dividing people, divide and conquer. And he spends all this time and energy attacking Biden's son, just the lack of of class in attacking someone's son like that. And he attacked yeah. both of his sons. Yeah. His dead son. 
that mm. a military veteran who was an attorney general in Delaware, mm. was it? Yep. Then Trump says, quote, my family lost a fortune coming down and helping us with government, end quote. Oh, oh. boo-hoo. <laughs> Public service is a privilege. It is a sacred responsibility bestowed upon someone by the American people. It is not something to be bartered. It's not something you try to prop up to get sympathy. It's not a sacrifice. It's an honor. And then that's when Joe Biden reminds us all what this is supposed to be about. He turns to the camera and says, quote, this is not about my family or his family. It's about your family, the American people. Wow. Yeah, my family lost a fortune helping with government. That's pretty funny to me. Yeah, because everyone I know that got into government at any position other than your senators or maybe congressmen, perhaps, went in it for the money. <laughs> I worked a government job for four years, and I made more money in one year at UPS than all four combined times two. <laughs> okay? Yeah, that sounds about right. I mean, there are some positions that pay very well, but for the most part, I don't think people join. Not as enlisted servicemen. <laughs> Service <laughs> member. <laughs> I think that family lost, my family lost a fortune, Mike. What do you mean your family lost a fortune? I think coming that's from, what your family did. Yeah, coming from the guy who can bankrupt a casino. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I've been to that casino. It sucked. You lost a fortune. <laughs> and it smelled like cigarettes and weird geriatric facilities. <laughs> oh, that's not fair. I'm just, you know, you know, like how, like, I'm not disparaging <laughs> the geriatric people. I'm just saying when you walk into a nursery, it has a certain odor. A nursery? Oh, yeah, or any like like any any childcare place. It just smells like mass <laughs> like groups of kids and that has a smell to it. It's like what? you know, it's like certain places have certain odors associated with sometimes it's good, sometimes Johnny, it's not so pleasant. Oh. Johnny, are you an odorist? <laughs> <laughs> maybe. No, there's no maybe about it. He certainly is. He Apparently, I'm a cisgender too, and I didn't know what that was. So <laughs> it's, it's it's entirely possible. What? How many feet do you have to stay away from a nursery, Johnny? That's the real question. <laughs> you start smelling it. To my knowledge, I don't have to. I'm not court ordered to stay away. Oh, from I didn't nursery. imply court ordered. That was just what you inferred. <laughs> oh, I'm just saying. Like <laughs> that would okay, be the only reason I'd have to down. stay away from. It. All right. Well, no. I okay. So as far as uh, President-elect Biden's response with the whole, this isn't about my family or his, it's about our families as the, as the people and what we need. And I think that that was important to be said as well, is that the office isn't about what you lose or what you gain. The office is about mm. representing the American people. Mm -hmm. um, so I thought that was a good response. That's what it should be. Yeah, I think that's that's what a leader who knows how to lead and how to be inclusive would say. Or at least he knows how to say the right thing at the right time. Well, <laughs> that's the office really about. Here's the definition of the office of president. Right. This is what you should be worried about. <laughs> <laughs> it was like that. It reminded me of that moment uh, way back when Bill Clinton was in a debate and he turned to uh, – or he reached out to a member in the audience and walked over to her and was like, I feel your pain kind of moment. Oh. And we can debate whether he actually felt that pain, but, but the idea is like, Hey, here's someone who's trying to empathize. who's trying who's trying to understand my problems 
and not trying to drown me in his problems. Of course, Clinton ended up drowning us in some other problems, but uh, Maybe but that's... that's the idea. That's what we saw from Biden in that clip. You know, here's Trump who's trying to drown us all in his problems and everything that has has been done against him. When what about what's been done against us, the American people? Yeah, it's easier to fool people than it is to convince them they've been fooled. Mm. And I just saw an article yesterday that said people dying of COVID are convinced that it's not real. Yeah, they're literally like the healthcare workers came out and they were interviewed and they said the people dying from COVID are saying it's not a real thing. So I don't know how you can convince somebody, mm. you know? Yeah. So when we look at the difference between a real man and, and a fake alpha, we realize that the, the real man does not drive people apart, does not break up families. A real man keeps the pack strong and intact. A real man brings people together. And when you're president, your pack, your family is all of the American people. And Biden says he will be president for all Americans, not just those who voted for him. This sounds like a great episode of Family Feud. Whoa! <laughs> all right, Mers. Name something people in the 1950s thought we'd have by the year 2020. A pandemic that's killed a million people? Good answer, good answer. Good answer. A pandemic that's killed one million people. Survey says... Golly, that was a real knuckle sandwich to the kisser. Okay, Mr. Jammin, name something people in the 1950s thought we'd have by the year 2020. Ooh, ooh, I got it, I got it, I got it. A despotic president hell-bent on hate. Good answer. Good answer. answer. We surveyed 100 people. A despotic president hell-bent on hate. Survey says... Oh, so close. Okay, Spaz. Name something people in the 1950s thought we'd have by the year 2020. Ooh, ooh, I know. Flying cars. Good answer, good answer, good answer. Flying cars. We don't have those yet. Survey says, yes. Now that calls for an afternoon highball. Yay. Yay. That was dumb. That wasn't too bad. I like it. You know, that square 50s guy is, if nothing else, versatile. By the way, for the record, the pandemic so far has killed 1.34 million people worldwide and nearly a quarter of a million in the U.S. Yikes. Way to keep it real there, Johnny. Yeah, yeah, we've got to be taking this seriously, folks. We've got to be protecting each other. So beyond wolves in captivity and fake alphas, I want to introduce another very important concept. Consider... There are two types of men, warriors and guardians, attackers and protectors. I came across this uh, elegant framework during the protests over police brutality this summer. While people around the world were protesting violence committed against black folks following the murder of George Floyd, there was something I caught while listening to a Seattle Police Commission meeting. Yeah, I'm that nerd who listens to police commission meetings. 
we've witnessed increasing militarization of police with local police forces being needlessly equipped with, as the ACLU puts it, the, quote, weapons and tactics of war, end quote. And we're having a much needed debate over how our police should be here to protect and serve and not waging war upon its citizenry. There's this philosophy of policing that's been led by a former King County, Washington sheriff. Her name is Sue Rar. This concept was brought up by the Reverend Aaron Williams during that police commission meeting after protests took hold around the country. He was asking then Seattle police chief Carmen Best a question. Let's listen. Chief Best, I just have one question I want to ask you, and that's uh, in regards to crowd management and the militarized position that police officers take in crowd management. To me, when you see police officers and all of their uh, equipment stronging a, a long line where there is almost like an us against them mentality, I thought that, and I know Sue Rar is one of the major champions of this, the, the move the police officers from being warriors to being guardians. And I, I still have a problem with, even with the guardian part because the question is, what are they guarding? It seems like they're guarding things rather than people. And how can we really move from being warriors? Because what I saw in all of these riots, I saw warriors. And I saw, I did not see guardians. Guardians are people who say, I sit with you. I'm with you in this. How do we move from that mentality? Because we will continue to have these issues as long as police officers continue to wear, act like warriors rather than guardians. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. I mean, when, when I was in the military and we had our fatigues on, that meant we were up for battle. We didn't wear that unless we were on some type of mission or active duty thing. I agree with the concept there. It's an interesting take on that to me. It's something that should be, in my opinion, it should be more obvious. Like that perspective should be more obvious to the total, to the general population. I, yeah, it's, it's an interesting way to think of it. Certainly. I, I think that, so the war on drugs, right? That's what we have is a war on drugs. It's called a war on mm. drugs. And mm -hmm. it seems that since that began, at least from what little bit I understand, the police's role changed to that of soldiers in a war on drugs. Mm -hmm. Police are not soldiers, similar to soldiers are not police. I think that those lines have been blurred over the past few decades as to what we have, what we expect the warriors that we have in our society to do and what we expect the guardians that we have in our society, society to do. Warriors are soldiers. That's what it is. Guardians are more like police officers. And as we blur that line, I think we run into problems. And I think that that can be seen with what we're asking not only of our soldiers in situations, especially overseas, but also domestically, and the struggles that our police are going through with what they're being asked to do, and then now being given weapons and tactics of war, what else would we expect them to be able to, to do in a quote-unquote war on drugs? And then how does that blend into their role in the community? Are they at war on drugs when they're 
walking the beat or are they just walking the beat saying hi to the people in the community? Not just walking the beat saying hi to people in the community, but do they feel that they're at war when they're walking their beat on a normal Tuesday afternoon? And if they feel that they're at war, the war on drugs, I can see how that could be very difficult to separate when you're being asked to be a warrior at the same time as be a guardian. And which option do you take? Well, for me too, again, to go back to what the Reverend Williams was saying, and the point to me is, you know, the aesthetics mean something. The visuals here mean something. Okay. Mm. If our goal is to be guardians, then why don't we portray that visually? Why are we set up for combative situations? And why does a town of 20,000 people have armored vehicles? Mm. The, what what is the there there is a meaning to it he's just mm-hmm. pointing it out and he wants to hear their answer he already knows we already know it's not a it's not a question we can't answer or figure out we want to hear them say it what you what know? is that answer it's calling out people like we're here like you can see these people it's the same with the militias they wear their they can wear their flak jackets. They can wear their body armor. They can have their AR-15s and whatever other. I just say the AR-15 because that's the one everybody knows, even though that's not what a lot of those people are probably carrying. Um, <laughs> it's just that you know people say like, "What is Careful. AR? What AR stands for?" Sorry, no, it doesn't stand for Armalite, and it was developed in 1954 as a result of the Cold War and all this other stuff that was happening. We needed better munitions, and it was progress is more effective killing machine. But whatever, doesn't matter. The point is, is, there's a visual aesthetic value to that message that they're sending. And what is the message? Because the message I'm receiving is, you're not here to protect me. You're being, you look like a warrior. You don't look like, and you're not acting like a guardian. So if it walks like a duck and it barks like a duck, it's a fucking duck. <laughs> okay. Well, that's the weapons and tactics of war, and that is what they're being exactly given. Yeah. I mean, that, that's an army coming at you, essentially, is how if I squared away with that arm in arm peacefully walking down the street to protest something, then I would that coming at me is significantly different. That's certainly not somebody sitting with me saying I care about the community the same way as you. Yeah, there was actually an interview uh, a few years back. It's a KCTS nine and uh, the sheriff that the Reverend Williams referenced Sheriff Sue Rar, she's actually a leading voice on trying to implement this, this guardian versus warrior framework in the police force. So here's a clip of her describing the concept of the warrior versus the guardian. Let's listen. The community wants to be protected by us. They don't want to be conquered by us. The Guardian philosophy is embraced in a police training course recruits take called Blue Courage, which focuses on respect, trust, and professional conduct in the community. When I first came to the academy, I would describe the strategy as a military boot camp model where the recruits were very much treated like brand new soldiers, you know, coming into boot camp. It was... um, There was a lot of screaming and yelling and humiliating on the first day. Coming from 33 years in the field, I just found that odd and not a helpful training methodology because they don't do that out in the street with the community. So RAR changed the approach. 
combining the old warrior mentality with the new guardian philosophy. The problem that many officers have had in the past is they bring the warrior mindset along with the warrior skills and a conflict that may not otherwise have gotten physical will escalate. That's great and it reminds me of John F. Kennedy in a quote from him and he said, those who make peaceful revolution impossible will make violent revolution inevitable. And there's something to that. And, you know, and let's talk about it from the psychology perspective for a moment and just say incentive drives all behavior. And it's true, meaning people will act based on their incentives. If their incentive is greater, they're going to, for something, they're going to be incentivized to do that behavior. And if you're going to visually simulate and stimulate the person's, uh, Aspects of war, like these cops are dressing up in their military gear for civilians, for peaceful protests. Why are you here with that? Nobody should be calling you to arms. You know, this seems like something we call in for the National Guard or something. You know what I mean? Why are we here to, as a show of force? It's an escalation, yeah. Escal- it, of course it escalates. Anyone that's ever been in any type of uh, militaristic situation where you, where you know where you're brandishing that kind of stuff and you do those kind of behaviors, you're going to escalate the issue. You know, and it comes into everything we see when, when the POTUS went down to the, uh, what's it called church and he held his Bible up just yeah. to clear the streets. And the general there who said he regretted wearing his fatigues because he wasn't aware of what was happening mm. until mm-hmm. it was too late. Now he's caught up in a visual barrage of, of memes that happened thereafter on both sides of that, meaning people saying, oh, look, all hell, you know, the Fuhrer Trump. And <laughs> then you have other people saying, why does he have this guy here on fatigues? And that guy's like, dude, I'm just here at work. I'm doing what I'm told. I didn't know it was going to be used for this until it was there. And I regret mm. it. But that's like, people don't make it to that second step typically. Right. And th- this yeah. is the warrior, you know, someone looking to instigate a fight because they somehow believe we're at war in a foxhole when we're just all just trying to figure it out this life thing, you know, the best we can. If we're just less pugilistic, then we're more apt to invite peace into our lives. Cause we're, you know, there's, there's a time and a place to be a warrior to well, be yeah. sure. There is a time and a place when you're in a foxhole with someone, right? Mers? So I was reading up on this a little bit and I found something that I really liked from the nobility of policing. Um, it's a book that was written in Plato's vision of a perfect society in a republic that honors the core of democracy, the greatest amount of power is given to those called guardians. Only those with the most impeccable character are chosen to bear the responsibility of protecting the democracy. Mm. And in my mind, I was thinking like that is the bill of rights, Mm. right? Like, so if you have a guardian, not a warrior, the guardian is going to defend the responsibility of protecting our democracy. Certainly, when it comes to us, the citizens, the people, the community that the police are to be guarding and protecting is our rights. I mean, that's why they're there in general. Not So so that's kind of how I took that from the nobility of policing. I think that police are more like urban warriors. They seem to be more trained for battle, equipped with accessories and weapons and tactics of modern armies, uh, I think is what the Mm -hmm. ACLU was kind of trying to say. Mm -hmm. They're aided by military-grade technology that mine data and crime trends and information about us, the citizenry. 
Uh, that's all very high end. We, we might need some of this to address some of the rare, more modern criminal elements, but not the everyday citizen interacting with their local police officer. So like having a specialized force like SWAT or something or the DEA or something, when it is kind of like the war on drugs, let's say, that I can understand, but it's not really for the everyday police officer to be running around armed to the hilt. Like we shouldn't expect them to respond to those kinds of activities. Like yeah. That's not their job. Their job is to serve and protect. Well, you remind me of something. Sorry to interject, but before I forget, it reminds me of the simplicity of the military. What I mean is we usually stick to simple things that you can remember that stay with you. And one of the things that comes to mind in this context is situation dictates. Yeah. Right. And it reminds me of a Confucius saying, you don't kill a mosquito with cannonball. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. So when you have situation dictates, well, somebody thought it was a good idea to have all those police lined up in military gear to quell a uh, peaceful protest. There was no escalation. The escalation has already been, that's already been set by the police themselves in that certain scenarios. You know, sorry, yeah. that's, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but that's, that was all my heart. No, I, I totally get some of the mentality, right? I mean, but our police aren't at war with us, right? They That's shouldn't the be. whole thing for me. <laughs> right. Yeah, I don't want my police at war with us. That's not what I want them for. I want them policing. I don't ever <laughs> want to see the police because if that if they're not if I don't see them, that means I'm in pretty good standing and everything seems, yeah. everything seems to be good. <laughs> but I mean, they're 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 here to protect and serve and uphold the constitution. I'm pretty sure all of them take an oath to uphold the constitution and protect and serve. And I don't know that you're protecting or serving the people when you're lined up in a, a war type stance facing off against each other. And don't get me wrong. I've never been in the military, but from everything I've ever heard or seen or been told about war and trusting the person in the, the uh, foxhole next to you to fight, there's no time for crying. You got to man up, right? Like, I mean, it is, it is do or be done. Right. That's what I get from it. Well, that's why we stick to the simple things. It's not we don't train you not to react, we train you how to react. And when you yeah. when you're clouded by emotions in a stressful situation, the first thing to go is your prefrontal cortex, which is where all your higher functioning thought comes from. So you kind of have to be automatic and automaton to handle certain situations. But well, maybe if, that's if, but again, now take that and look at you, do you guys remember when the uh, the old man got pushed over by the police and they just walked past him and mm. he cracked his head on the ground? Like, yep. so you have these guys and maybe I don't know what they're thinking. I can't speak for any of them, but if you're in that situation, you're on high alert, which I think would qualify under high stress. You know, yep. it's the same yep. type of thing that you're you're looking out for your person next to you to either side of you. They're in that Spartan line kind of thing, and um. <clears throat> I couldn't believe they just casually – the guy cracked his skull on the ground well, they're, and they're just walking I, past him. I think that's the – you said it like you don't want emotion to start clouding up your thinking. And in, your, in that high-stress situation when they pushed the guy down and walked right past him, they weren't getting clouded up with the emotion of I just pushed somebody down. They're continuing on their, their task, which I don't know if that's what we want from our – you know, is that what we want in our guardians that are guarding mm. and protecting democracy? I don't know. That's the whole Republic Plato's thing. But that that man up when it's necessary to to man up and not let that emotion cloud you. Um, 
that stoicism, right? That lack of emotion is not only advantageous, but necessary. Right. When you're in a war setting, when the situation dictates, right. right. When the situation dictates, stoicism is not only advantageous, uh, but you also need it. It's necessary. You know, it's hard to turn that off. You know, it's hard to turn that emotion off that, 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 that hyper-focused tunnel vision of mission success, whatever that means that, that, can turn off other precursors to good judgment in humanity. You know, they lack empathy and sympathy when they're only hyper-focused on what it is they're doing, which is probably what they're told because, you know, we could unpack that all day long, I think, but it goes right so in line. When you're, when you're in that foxhole, yeah, you got to be that warrior. But the thing is day to day, we're not in the foxhole. <laughs> Well, so, so that's, that's, that's my whole thing is that's not, we aren't hiring our police to be soldiers and warriors. We're hiring them to be guardians. And if you're always stuck in the foxhole, always at the war mentality, then doesn't that limit your freedom? Like the the police weren't allowed to have, when they pushed that guy down and kept walking past him, they weren't free to stop and see if he was okay or help him or pick him up. That is not what they were free to do. That was not a choice for them. So let's. Now extrapolate this and connect it to toxic masculinity. Now we've talked about the warrior and the guardian when it comes to policing, but how does this affect men in everyday life? I mean, again, there, there are folks out there who have the mentality that we're at war and that we need to defeat the enemy. And that is the warrior mentality. Now what we need to challenge ourselves to do is bring the guardian mentality to our approach to being men, to being good, healthy, better men. And it's this, this motto, the motto to protect and serve sums up what a true guardian is here to do. A real man protects a real man serves for the greater good, not for himself. So while this concept was developed as a policing philosophy, I believe it applies to us all. It's a framework that we can use as a guide to be better men. Any last words on this, fellas? Uh, foolish faith and authority is the worst enemy of truth. That's Albert Einstein. Mm. Love it. Hello, everyone. Richard Richards here. Just wanted to let you all know that, hey, if you are enjoying this episode, support Sexy Dad Jokes. Don't be a wet rag. Head over to our website, sexydadjokes.com, to catch up on all the episodes and a lot more. Follow us on all these fancy little social media sites, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and even YouTube, to enjoy your sexy dad jokes wherever you go. Be sure to tell your friends, make sure to like and share, and spread the word of the Sexy Dad Jokes phenomenon. And don't forget to follow us on Patreon, and while you're at it, visit SexyDadJokes.com to get your very own Sexy Dad Jokes t-shirts, mugs, phone cases, or hats. We even have socks, masks, and fanny packs just in time for the holiday season. Get yours today. Question, what is a dot com? So, I got a call one day from a dear friend of mine way back in July. 
that friend was none other than Johnny Spaz. Johnny, he was, uh, he was very distressed about some text messages he had just received from someone who's very close to him, his uncle, who Johnny grew up idolizing as his biggest father figure type in his life. Do you remember that call, Johnny? Uh, sadly, unfortunately, yes, I do. Yeah. Now, at the time, Johnny and I had been working on developing this podcast, and I knew immediately when I got that call that this was something that was very much in line with what Sexy Dad Jokes is all about, trying to be better men, detoxing masculinity. I got Johnny's permission to record the call. So, Johnny Spaz, is it okay if I play a couple clips from that call to our listeners now? I think it would go a long way in demonstrating how the fake alpha who's lived in the White House the past four years is not a guardian who protects our families, but someone actively seeking to drive us apart. Yeah, I think it'd be just fine. I, uh, you know, in fact, it, it kind of helps me cope knowing that it might be useful to somebody else. Mm. Kind of makes it worth it. Cool. Okay, let's listen. So my uncle, who I held in high regard, who is my uh, mentor, for lack of a father, uh, one of the several men in my life who, in a sense, mentored me, just disowned me because he sent me Trump propaganda. And I said, hey, uncle, I call him uncle, tradition that I've passed my niece and nephew. And, uh, hey, you know, why does it seem like all of our interactions are political? Why can't we just leave politics politics aside and he said and i was very i was like you know i just to be clear i disagree with you about it but that i don't want politics to be the forefront of our relationship you know i don't care i don't care that he believes in whatever he wants to believe i want my uncle yeah i want the person i grew up with. i want the man i grew up with and aspired to be like and he he was he was a significant father figure for you. Yeah. I have a picture of him in my house. I don't even have a picture of my own father. Wow. Just to case in point, I don't keep very many pictures of people in my house. My, my grandfathers, two of my grand, both my grandfathers and two of my uncles. And then me and my girlfriend and some of, well, of course you. (laughs) (laughs) And, and AJ. What did he teach you growing up? What's his values? Well, it's hard to say with all the... This just happened and two minutes ago. Yeah. So I'm a little emotional with that, and I haven't processed all this yet. I don't want to say anything bad about the person. All I can say is that he's bought this, and I think I think he said that he was drunk on the Kool-Aid, and I think that's aptly put, <laughs> to say the least. And it's not the only... This isn't the first family member to have this interaction with. And I had a discussion with another one of my cousins, and she said this happened to her with several of her family. And I didn't know what she was talking about. I thought she was lean Democrat. It turns out she's lean Republican. And they were not speaking. So this is a common thread. So when, they, when they, the news says divisiveness, I have once again witnessed this and felt it firsthand. So you can see how important this man is to Johnny. And you can hear that it's still raw, and Johnny is is processing this in real time. 
Let's hear a little more. I'll read to you what I sent to him. I said, hey, uncle, I don't know why all of our communications seem to be politically oriented, but maybe just maybe you just care about me and hope the best for me. However, I prefer a relationship with the uncle I've had my whole life, the man I respect and love, you know, leaving politics out of it. I said, I'll only say this about politics. We share different views, and thinking about politics over the last few years only makes me stressed and anxious, sucking the joy out of my life. I said, I already know who I'm voting for, and it's definitely not Trump. I don't think I can ever vote Republican again, and I've been a Republican my whole life. I said, if you value my dedication and love of our country and what I've done to serve it, maybe just consider that when you think about it. Maybe question why I think and feel the way I do. I'll never tell anyone how to vote. Only think objectively, making a decision not on emotion only, but by objective fact. I said, I love you, Uncle. I'll always have, I always will, regardless of your political views and how we may or may not disagree. I hope you're well. I miss you. His response. He sent me a picture of him wearing a Trump cutoff with his truck decked out with like 40 signs. It's like a wall. It's like a driving billboard of Trump, Trumpism. Mm. <laughs> and he wrote, as you can see, I am definitely voting Trump. He loves America, our culture, and our forefathers that created this great country. Democrats are full of hate. I always try to do right for you, took you under my wing, and try to teach you the right things, and it was all in vain. Someday you'll come to me and realize the mistake you made. No need to respond. I despise anyone that isn't on the side of all us patriots. That includes family. Don't ever bother communicating with me again. We have absolutely nothing in common now. Mm. Oh, boy. That's your talk. I'm, I'm, I'm 40 years old, Ben. Almost 40 years old. He's been there. I have. You couldn't find a baby picture of me without him in it. Mm. I don't have a picture of my own father because he's a toxic human, and the faster he's out of my life, the better. But my uncle is one of the four pictures of four men that I hold in high regard in my own house. It's mm. on my shrine, if you will. And he just today disowned me. He told me that. That's the. You know, I don't blame uh, him in the sense of. I don't. I don't blame. I, he's responsible for his actions. However, this is the power of Trumpism. Yeah. Wow. I despise anyone who isn't on the side of all us patriots. Don't ever bother communicating with me again. Johnny Spath, has there been any contact since July? How, like, how are you feeling about things now? Well, now, um, since this has happened, it's continued with other people. And, uh, no, there hasn't been no contact. But, you know, one of the things about me is once I know something's toxic for me, I've really built up a skill set where I can just, again, situation dictates. I can detach from emotion. See, when I went to therapy all those years ago, I didn't go because I was feeling things. I went because I mm. didn't feel things. Okay. Mm. I was able to not, like, I could, I can shut that off real easy. I don't like to do that, though, because... It's like Star Wars, you know, they start to use the dark side and <laughs> get sucked into it. You know what I mean? So we don't play with that fire kind of thing. And I don't, um, 
so yeah, it just sucks because he, you know, I didn't even start that conversation. I was just responding to his text. You know, mm. I, you know, why can't we talk about like you know anything else? Not a hi, not a how we're doing. If you say you're not talking to me because we don't have anything in common, then why are you talking to me? In the first? How can you go from zero to a hundred in a second mm. for no with not even pressing the gas pedal? Mm. You know, it only took that one thing that we disagree on, and I didn't even say what I disagreed with. Mm. I didn't even spe- specify any of that. I was just like, I don't agree with you on this thing, and I, with, with no detail. And um, it sucks because you know I already don't have you know I have a father. He's alive, but he's a toxic piece of shit. And um, again, he was one of the other two. I two uncles, well, I three uncles from that side, but two of them specifically were, you know, stand-ins for that. You know, mm-hmm. and it's hard. It sucks, but you know I've already built up that part of me that. You know, I, I can muscle through it. I don't have to be happy about it, but I can get through it. You know, the thing he says all us patriots are doing for Trump. It's like, dude, are you kidding me? We never, ever talked about politics. Not once. Dude, 39 years. Never. And I haven't been since I've been able to talk. Never once. I, I do. I, I do kind of. You'd mentioned the whole the, all the patriots are doing Trump. How can you not be a patriot if you fight for your country? Obviously, there's some very small ways that that could happen. But basically, if you go off and fight and serve, how are you not a patriot all of a sudden? Well, that's – again – I don't we, get it. Let's go back to the conversation, part of the conversation where I was like people dying from COVID ceased or are unable to admit it's real. I mean this mm-hmm. – talk about the strength of something. You know, I took someone who literally would give me anything I ever needed. They would buy me a car when I was a teenager. He would buy, he would, he gave me his Corvette to take out on prom night so I could impress the girls. And he said, here's a bottle of brandy. Don't drink and drive. Oh, let her, (laughs) let her drink it. Yeah. Yeah. Here's a bottle of brandy. Don't drink and drive. Here's the key to my car. You don't need to get drunk. Give this to her. Okay. You're a teenager. You won't do it. That's a little problematic for other reasons, but I I see what you're saying. But you see, I am who I am because like I've kind of figured my own way. It's been a long time since, but he was always, he always gave me good advice. You know, he always, he kept, I have more dead friends at this point in my life than living ones because of drugs and alcohol. It's just the sad truth. Again, I the, the same you know two of the two of my band, former bandmates are in the ground because of it. Hmm. You know, this is someone that clearly meant a lot to your life. Yeah, he would teach me. He would bring me into Philly and show me the people that are messed up on drugs and drunk and people laying on the street. And he said, "You want to end up like that?" I remember the first time he wanted to smoke weed with me, but he didn't offer it to me like as an example he said this is what you can try and i'll sit here and i'll make sure you're safe kind of thing you know what i mean if you want to hang out and party you can do it with me and i'll make sure you're safe and you're taken care of and honestly i attribute my being here today to that type of lessons that he gave me through my whole life you know so that i mean that's like a great example of being a guardian right is it here get intoxicated and i'll make sure that you don't do anything stupid Right. I, I just the the disowning people over politics is so foreign to me. Yeah, it was to me too up until apparently July. 
Oh, well, yeah. And, and what a symptom of, of our times, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know, what's really happening here? Some guy none of us have ever met has succeeded in actively driving my family apart. You know? And it's not a small random third cousin that I saw once in a family reunion 10 years ago. This was somebody who I, for all intents and purposes, I consider a father figure, you know, and uh, the leader of our country is not active like a guardian or a protector. Like the sheriff said, our community wants to be protected by our leaders, not conquered. Why is the leader of our country trying to conquer us? And, we know that this isn't just happening with Johnny's family. It's happening all across the country. Johnny, you forwarded me this great op-ed on CNN titled to my family who chose Trump over me. Was it worth it? So actually here's an excerpt. The invitations to your holiday gathering stopped coming. Your daughter got married and I wasn't invited. We haven't spoken since 2017. Over our love-filled 50-year bond, you chose a hate-filled New York millionaire who has never spent a moment with you, cried with one of you when your dad died, hugged another of you at your mom's funeral, or otherwise cared about you. Wow. So General James Mattis has actually spoke at uh, graduation at my university. He was an alumni mm-hmm. there. And he was the former secretary... Um, of defense Mm. and on his way out, he, he resigned during president Trump's administration. Um, I believe in 2018, he said something along the lines of Donald Trump is the first president, uh, in my lifetime who does not try to unite the American people. He does not even pretend to try. Instead, he tries to divide us. Mm. It's just crazy coming from, a four-star general, the Marine Corps dedicated his life to serving this country. Right. I mean, that's who James general James Mattis is. So. Yeah. And Johnny, I know that it wasn't just your uncle. So if you remember back in episode one, how we were talking about how early on in the pandemic, when you were really struggling to pay the bills and how toxic it was, when you felt like you couldn't accept financial help from your cousin who had offered. And I was just like, so impressed with you when you like totally put that aside and accepted that helping hand, even though your first instinct was not to. And your cousin sounds like a great man who was looking out for someone he cares a great deal about. So like whatever happened with that situation? Well, you know, the divisiveness really hit home for me. And he's somebody I've been closely connected with. They live in Texas and I'm, I lived in New Jersey most of my life. And, but we were always very close. He's about three years younger than me. So he's kind of like a little brother type. And when I lived out there in Texas, when I was 18, uh, we kind of formed a very tight bond and it, it kept all the way through the ages. And he just, again, Uh, He sent me pictures of his kids with Trump paraphernalia. And I just, it was during a time when I just lost all my jobs. I had no money coming in and $3,000 a month 
debt that I had to compensate for just to break even, you know? Mm. And I just lost my shit. I was like, dude, I said, don't send me that stuff. Don't. And then he kept throwing the bait out, man. And then one day I took mm. it and you know how I can be, Ben. Mm. <laughs> I let him have it. And he just blocked me on the phone. That oh. was several months ago. And I paid him back since. So he didn't even respond to that. Wow. I guess. Wow. I, I just don't understand why you kick somebody out of the family. If you're so resolute in your convictions and what you believe that they're true and correct yeah. because you've come to that conclusion over rational thought process and logic, then why would you ever have to kick somebody out? Like, why is, why is that kicking out in a metaphorical violent act? You're out of the family. Uh, yeah, I think it aligns. It just with, seems so distant to me. Like, if you're correct, then why turn to violence? Like, a guardian would still say, "Well, you're still part of the group. You're still with us," knowing that you'll figure it out eventually. I mean, mm. I don't know. It just seems odd to me, especially when you say something like "kick out." That seems like a violent phrase. Kick out of the family. That's violence. And why would your thought? How would somebody not believing what you believe ever be a threat to you that you would have to protect the family from it? If they're part of the family. Well, I think it infects, and I choose that word specifically because um, mm. I feel like it's very suitable to the type of thinking. It infects their thinking and their thought process. Something, just this tribalism of sorts, you know, just mm -hmm. once, they, once they've decided that this is their identity – uh, you're now attacking them personally and they can't separate that. Cause you know, it takes a lot of hard work as somebody who's been to years of therapy and I had to learn to communicate as an adult after I had been an adult for like legally 20 years, <laughs> you know? And I don't know, Mars, I think that's part of it, buddy. You, uh, you mentioned something about tribalism and isn't that just mind blowing that, someone would would choose a tribe over their own family isn't your family supposed to be your your tribe and some guy none of us have ever met is somehow able to put himself in between you and your family i mean these are our families like this is sacred space and i'll just say this i respect my neighbors I respect my fellow Americans, even if we disagree. I hope that you can respect that I feel strongly about what I believe in. Freedom, democracy, a fair chance to prosper. And my prosperity doesn't have to come at the expense of yours. We can both prosper together. I believe in taking care of our neighbors and building a community, a country together. And in this moment, we need to challenge ourselves, Democrat or Republican, liberal or conservative, Autobot or friggin' Decepticon, <laughs> to put hate aside and just talk to each other from, from a place of love and respect. And it's not easy. I, I even struggle with that myself, with family members of mine. But we have to push ourselves. We... And we're not always going to like what we hear, but we have to try. 
try to open our hearts to what's best in us and not what's the worst in us, to let go of hate, so much hate, so that we can invite peace and love into our lives. That was heckin' beautiful. Yeah! <laughs> I just want to say heckin' really bad. Heck it all! Heck the world. Heck, heck you. Heck, heck you. Heck, heck your you. uncle. Heck your cousin. Heck your whole heckin' family. And heck the <laughs> tribalism that hecks up this whole heckin' country as heck does it is today. What the <laughs> heck are you all talking about? Hecking! <laughs> Sorry, I had it backwards and upside down. I bet. And it made a weird noise. That's what she said. (laughs) The last time you're going to hear that. Hey! What's up, Dadders? This is Johnny Spaz. I'd just like to let everyone know that we are stoked to announce our Patreon page, which can be found at patreon.com slash sexy dad jokes for as little as a dollar per month you can support our show and help bring us the sdj material that you love all fun support the show and you'll get tons of bonus material i bet score 50s guy goes commando (laughs) (laughs) including extended blooper reels when i pee i have to go into the shower when i pee i have to suck in my gut or else i can't see it Parts of the show that didn't make the cut. Things that might be interesting that we didn't feel were relevant to the show, but maybe you get to blow us better. The first 10 Patreon supporters will get into our SDJ Hall of Fame. We'll receive shout-outs on our show, and we'll receive a free gift. That's right, a free gift. Too good to be true, right? Patreon.com slash sexy dad jokes. Oh yeah. So one of the great debates playing out today with the pandemic is around masks. So do you all wear masks, fellas? Yes. Yeah. It just, it seems counterintuitive to me. Why is wearing a mask in a pandemic a sign of weakness? A real man protects himself and protects others around him, looks out for everyone's safety. Only, only a coward sees a mask as a threat to his fragile masculinity. That's what I call maximum weakness. <laughs> yeah. well, well, Where did that well. come from? I just have to say, you can't face mask my freedoms, you red commies. Joseph McCarthy is turning in his grave, I tell you. The Red Menace uses whatever it can to conceal their dastardly plans, even using an illness named after alcohol to cover their trails. Hmm. Oh, wow. Holy conspiracy theory. Yeah. yeah, we have a new Red Menace. The Red Hats are coming. The Red Hats are coming. The Red Hats are coming. <laughs> so what does following the fake alpha in the White House get you? Well, at least for his inner circle, it gets you coronavirus. <laughs> oh. so, so let's uh, let's read the list here. This This is everyone in Trump's inner circle who have gotten coronavirus. Well, let's start at the top. Donald J. Trump, Melania Trump. Baron Trump, Hope Hicks, Stephen Miller, Nicholas Luna, Kaylee McAnney, Caroline Leavitt, Chad Gilmartin, Harrison W. Fields, Jalen Drummond, Creed Bailey, Ben Carson, Mark Meadows, Brian Jack, eight unnamed White House aides uh, on his campaign, Ronna McDaniel, Bill Stepien, 
Kellyanne Conway, Chris Christie, David Bossie, Nick Trainer. Bear with me here. This is important. Corey Lewandowski, Richard Walters, Mark Short, Marty Obst, three more vice president aides, and four more unnamed White House residents staff. Gosh, wow. <laughs> That's what following Trump will get you. Yeah, that was a lot of people. Yeah. For months, Trump ignored public health experts who say to prevent the spread of the virus, you need to avoid gatherings of large groups and that people should be wearing masks. So what does he do? He goes out and holds these rallies. People cram together, 95% of them not wearing masks. So Stanford researchers actually just put out a paper saying they've linked 30,000 coronavirus cases to Trump mm. rallies. Oh, wow. And he said he doesn't wear masks so that he doesn't, quote, give the press the pleasure of seeing it. He'd rather risk lives than be seen wearing a mask. That's and when you're president, <laughs> that's exactly what you should be doing is you're setting an example for the country and the world. When you're seen wearing a mask, that tells everyone else, hey, that's a signal. Do the right thing and put on a mask. What the heck is going on here? <laughs> well, based on the hashtag fake alpha line of thinking, you know, where the goal is to dominate and defeat others rather than protecting your pack as a guardian. If, if you're an alpha male, you don't wear the mask. That's a sign that mm. you're in charge. Right. You don't go to the doctor. You're the strongest. You don't need to. Right. But of course, that is ridiculous because if you're the defender of the pack, you need to be strong enough to defend the pack. Right, right. Mm -hmm. That means like when you're on an airplane, you, the adult, well, maybe not me. I'd probably give it to somebody younger than me. They put on their oxygen mask first before you put it on the kids. Right. And I'm very immature. But in all seriousness, the adults put on the mask first, then put on the kids mask because they need to be clear-headed and thinking. I think it's the same thing here. If you're the defender of the pack, yeah, right, you're the guardian, then you don't have time to get sick with uh, COVID, right? So right. you have to put on your mask, not only to protect everybody else, to protect yourself and be the, the symbol, the example. Right. Yeah, remember when POTUS was in the hospital with corona and he got in his limo so he could go out and wave to people on the street? He like full on put Secret Service lives in, in danger for a publicity stunt. Not only the Secret Service, but their families and yeah. anybody else they come in contact with. So he's either condemning them to be, uh, you know, quarantined, just like his inner circle was quarantined, or condemning them to go back and risk getting their family sick with something right. that could kill them, if not just get them sick. It's also like when he cleared out the protesters so he could walk out and hold up the Bible for a photo op. Yeah. Yeah. All for a misguided attempt to project strength again. What was the, the uh, mortality rate for COVID? It was 5%. Something uh, like that. That Because the flu was like 1%, just over, just over 1%, something like that. And just to put that in context, 5% of 30,000 is 1,500. That's 30 school buses worth of people that could be dead because of that. Hmm. Here's what Dr. James Phillips, an attending physician at Walter Reed, wrote on Twitter. Every single person in the vehicle during that completely unnecessary presidential drive-by just now has to be quarantined for 14 days. They might get sick. They might die for political theater. Commanded by Trump, 
to put their lives at risk for theater. This is insanity. No, this is Sparta. (laughs) (laughs) Don't thank me for my service if you can't wear a mask. Well, yeah, Johnny. I mean, I I think it's really no shirt, no shoes, no service. We all accept that. And don't forget about having no pants. Thanks a lot, Richard. Uh, Show me your Richard, Richard. No, do not show me any Richards, Richard. (laughs) Richards the third. Is that where the name comes from? And then he's a junior on top of it. Sounds kind of small, but my point is, what I really want to get back to is that we, we, we... we allow people. That's pe- the third. Okay. We don't worry about no shoes, sure, no shoes, no service. Nobody goes. Oh, I'm gonna get pissed off and say my constitutional rights are being trampled on, and cry on the floor like a toddler in a Costco when you're like 60 years old, Karen, which I think might be somebody's wife. <laughs> Masks, you know, they don't they don't stop capitalism and free trade. They're actually allowing us to open up. So if you're worried about the economy, wearing a mask is going to make it so that we can go and shop together, so that more of us can go into our small businesses. If you're trying to support a restaurant in your town um, that isn't a big corporate chain, those are the places that are going to be able to stay open with masks uh, that are going to actually continue to have people come and consume. If we shut down the economy because we're having spikes, because people aren't wearing masks everywhere or they're continuing to meet up, um, that's, that's not going to keep the economy alive and there will be nobody to sell anything to anyway, if we're all dead. Right. Um, mm-hmm. you know, communism, if you're worried about communism, we've been going on and on and on and on and on about this since McCarthy in the fifties, since right after world war two and Patton saying, let's just keep driving straight on through and go over and go after the big red menace. Oddly enough, that's been, what, 70 years, and it still hasn't come. The communists are not going to happen overnight, and if you think this is incremental, wearing masks, it's no different than stopping at stoplights or stopping at stop signs or following other laws that we come up with and mandates. Uh, you know, the, we mentioned the drug war earlier. Come on, that's, that's not allowing me to imbibe what I want to in a lot of ways. So was that communism taking us over? Uh, not being able to take whatever herbs or other medications that you want, opioids included in that. Uh, and we just accept that. So I don't think that was communism either. We've made big changes before. Uh, we didn't used to have stop signs, right? They, everybody used to just drive. And then all of a sudden there were too many people. So once the population gets bigger, we adapt to that. If, are we adapting again? Is that what we're doing with these masks? I think so. N- uh, lead, um, and paint and gasoline, seatbelts, uh, the restrictions we have on cigarettes. You can't be younger than 18 and buy Ooh. cigarettes. You can't be younger than 21 and buy alcohol Ooh. because our bodies aren't developed. Our organs aren't developed. Careful there. Careful, Merce. Don't bring up cigarettes. That's a t- touchy subject. Is it touchy? Why? Is, is Richard still around? Did someone say cigarettes? You know, I don't see what the problem is with oh. smoking cigarettes. You know, back in my day, Merce, tobacco was the cure. The smooth, mild Chesterfield cure, if you know what I'm saying. I, I totally know what you're saying. I completely believe that ignorance is bliss. I'm right there with you, Richard. But do you think that it's bad that kids can't buy cigarettes? Should five-year-olds be able to buy cigarettes and then smoke <laughs> them? Or do you agree with that law not allowing kids to buy cigarettes? Right. So we've, we've made these big changes before as a society. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm going to move to Oregon so I can smoke Merzadone. 
We all need Merzadone. <laughs> I might have to go to a Merzadone clinic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Merzhead. I have been compared to crack cocaine before. So. <laughs> You're addicting, Merz. Either that or go to Oregon and get some magical Merch rooms. <laughs> Merch rooms. <laughs> Merz. Shrooms. I mean, those are just little things that I think about when people complain about wearing these masks because I'm a very oppositional and defiant individual. I'm very rebellious and impulsive. Um, And while I do find myself being a little bit perturbed and annoyed that I have to put this mask on or that I have to go back to the house because I forgot a mask or any number of things, I also just kind of compare it to when I'm sitting at a stoplight at three o'clock in the morning in the middle of a sleepy town where there is no traffic at three in the morning, yet you stop at that stoplight and you wait for it to turn green. Mm-hmm. And that's ridiculous to me. Protocol. What? It's protocol. We follow it is protocol, protocol, but it's, it's utterly ridiculous, but it's something that I do and that I don't really stop and think about. So wearing a mask is just another stoplight at three in the morning to me. <laughs> I think that, so I think, what? Yeah, I think if people don't wear masks, I should be able to fart in her open mouth. <laughs> I I certainly do not go down to assaulting people, but uh, I'm not assaulting. I said if they're if I have to breathe their COVID, they have to breathe my. My goodness, oh, how are you going to make wow. this happen? Uh, I will volunteer. I'm, what do you even do with that? I will. Go. I need an N50 and I need an N. 9500 filter for your yeah you won't I, be able to contain it with that soap for my ears an ass mask is that what we need <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah how do i get a mask for my ears to block out <laughs> johnny spaz this is utterly ridiculous. i don't i you know i like square 50s guy more than you and he's oh, all sorts of rhetoric that's low come on okay, it is okay. low it was because i want to fart in someone's mouth for not wearing a mask i cannot support that stance <laughs> okay I'm not a platform saying. I can get on, even if it's made of okay. linoleum and hardcore American oak. All right. The moral of the story here, put on your friggin' mask already and do yeah. your part. Or or Johnny Spaz will fart in your face. <laughs> <laughs> Open mouth. Okay. Well, I think uh I think we're seeing pretty clearly how important things like masks and elections are. Oh, speaking of elections. Wonder what Richard Richards the third junior's 2024 platform will be, besides, of course, American Oak. I'll be running on a public health campaign to make the U.S. of A. healthier than the milkman in a dairy farm. I don't know what all the hullabaloo's about with this pandemic, but back in my day, whenever you got sick, all you had to do was smoke some Chesterfields, have a few shots of whiskey, and it would all cure all the ailments away. Broke your arm? Rub some tobacco on it. Richard, don't run on that platform, please. Any final words, fellas? Oh, goodness gracious. I hope he runs. (laughs) I'll know who to vote for. (laughs) Can't be worse than POTUS 45. (laughs) Thanks, everyone, for listening. This one's for all the Guardians out there. Take care, everyone. Oh, yeah, bye. Goodbye. Bye. (laughs) Get on the jumper if you want to live. Bye. Bye. Smells like teen spirit. What does that smell like? (laughs) That was immersing. Oh my gosh. All right. You 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 all continue to be immersing. Uh I need to hit the head real quick. That's that's okay. Don't hit it too hard. We need you for the rest of the show. (laughs) I'm not gonna hit it with my head. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, open it now.
<laughs> what is wrong with you? Lots of things. <laughs> it's okay, we'll fix it in post. It's easier to point out things that aren't wrong with me. That's true. <laughs> just leave it raw, just like it was. <laughs> raw just like, it. hey, we tried to do something goofy. We'll see if it s slips in next time. Hey-o! Hey-o! <laughs> Is it possible to put three explicit warnings on it in an episode? <laughs> Square 50s guys is going to put a band together where the main instrument is harmonica and the secondary instrument is the drill. Oh, I'm sorry, a chorus of drills. Falls on the tune of Hail to the Chief. <laughs> I cannot support that stance. Hey! Thanks for listening to Sexy Dad Jokes. Please like and subscribe and visit sexydadjokes.com and get some merch. Until next time. Alright! <laughs> well, hello there, sir. Care to support my campaign? Hey, nice to see you, Rich. Nice to see you. You look gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. Oh, you're running a campaign? Uh, what kind of campaign are you uh, running for? Oh, you see, I'm running for President of the Glorious United States of America. Vote Richard Richards 2024. Oh, you're gonna be president, huh? Yeah, it's a good job. It's a good job. I heard you're really, really a good job. Good food as well, good food, good sandwiches. Uh, I've heard some things about it. It's a great experience. I got some experience myself, actually. I'm a pretty smart guy, pretty experienced guy. Hey, uh, if you don't mind, do you need uh, assistance in your campaign of excellency? Well, what kind of experience do you have, sir? I've had business experience. Uh, I've known politics for quite a while, and quite a while I'm, uh, I'm a genius, like really smart in politics. I'm the best there ever was, best there ever is, best there ever will be. Yes, let's work together. Then the White House will be mine, all mine. <laughs> what are you talking about over there? Oh, nothing, nothing. Uh, I know how to run things, I know how to run a campaign. I can run a perfect campaign, absolutely perfect, spot on, marble shiny, you name it. Oh, uh, well, you don't look like much of a runner to me with your size, but I like the cut of your jib. You're hired. What's your name, sir? Oh, you can just call me... Maga Man. Hmm, I knew you looked a bit familiar. Hey, you know, Rich, this is gonna be the start of a glorious relationship. Simply glorious.